Back to the Forgecast. My name's Sam Towns. I'm Alex Norton. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. Today's Forgecast is brought to you by Rob at Weber Abrasives. You know him and love him, and you know it's the place to go for all of the best abrasives and more. So hit him up at webers.net.au the next time you're stocking your shop. What have you been up to this week, Alex? Not too much, to be honest. I um, I finished that Shichimai slip joint. Mm, um, great. Yeah, it got a lot of tension. I hate it, personally. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I had to see it out. I had to see it through. Um, but everybody else loves it. Um, and I've been getting so many uh, amazing comments and feedback and messages about it. And um, it, it sold immediately. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I must be wrong in, in yep. ending it, but you, you just Billy Joel yourself. It's the curse of the artist, though. You, know? I mean, some knives I've made I've really loved, but yeah, most of the time, all I can see is just the faults. Um, yeah, funnily enough, most of the knives that I've really loved have been ones that didn't receive like a massive amount of great feedback. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. But and the ones most... that I've hated always get the best feedback. Yeah, right. Most of the week has been um, just sort of resting more than I'd, I'm personally comfortable with, but uh, my health hasn't been phenomenal recently. So I've just been, um, I've had the ability to take some time, um, but as much as I don't like doing it, uh, you've got to look after your health first, otherwise you're kind of useless. And I've got a couple of particularly um, taxing and complex projects um, coming up. And so I, I really need to be in peak shape for those. So it's it's really been an uneventful week, really. So, but yeah. one of the things I did was line up next week's guest, which is one of the guests that I've been most excited about uh, in the yeah. history of the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited myself. Um, yeah, been for nerd- many reasons. <laughs> been nerding out about that for a while. Um, yeah, so everybody can look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, my, no son, my son of the week is an oldie, but absolutely a goodie. It's it's just a song that it's just so sweet and so lovely and just so nice to listen to. And um, funnily enough, it's not the, you know, the song of this band that everybody thinks of. When you hear the band The Turtles, you kind of think, um, oh, what's this? What's, you, you'd probably be able to tell me what's the first song that jumps to your mind when you hear the turtles. The turtles. Uh, yeah. I actually can't bring a song to mind. Imagine me and you. Oh, of course. I, I didn't even know the name of the band that wrote that. All right. Yeah, most people think of that. Um, but they actually wrote another song. Uh, it's a love song to a woman called Eleanor. And the song is called Eleanor. And um, it's just an uplifting, um, vibrant celebration of love for uh, in, in every in every way. The music 
sell it. You can it just sort of translates to, to that. The lyrics are about it, the way it's sung, um, the way it builds over the course of the song. It's just, it's one of those songs that I, yeah, I would just say is, is perfect in every way. And yet it's one of their, um, well, it wasn't at the time, but most people don't think of it um, when they think of the turtles. So um, it, uh, if you've watched The Boat That Rocked, um, mm-hmm. it featured prominently in, in that in a, in a very sort of um, big scene. Um, so you've probably heard it before because that movie was awesome and <laughs> it should be watched as much as possible. But, I yeah, I, I have a playlist on my uh, MP3 player that is, is all 60s music and um, that's probably one of, if not my favorite song on that playlist. So uh, definitely check it out if you haven't heard it before. But uh, I don't think it's much of a surprise what you've been doing this week, Sam. Uh, precisely the opposite of you. <laughs> Relax <laughs> is not a word in my vocabulary right now. I am so drained. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> fucked right now. <laughs> uh, um, I have been like, yeah, flat out. Um like a lizard drinking. <laughs> like a lizard drinking, indeed. Um, oh, God, like a blue-ass fly, like a one-armed paper hanger. Um, <laughs> no, I, it's been it's been nuts. Um, so I got um, all of the hammers handled, all the hammers and axes handled up, all of the, like, the run-of-the-mill ones handled up last weekend, and they've been soaking in um, linseed oil and turpentine for three days. So uh, they're all solid. Um and uh, yeah, today, the last couple of days, I've been working on the two like crown pieces of my table. Um, I always like to bring something that's going to bring a little bit of pop to the table. And realistically, I'd love to have had the time to make a couple of knives that I'm really proud of. But um, in this case, my table is going to be sorely devoid of knives. I've got the 48-hour dagger. Um in there, but uh, otherwise I've just got hammers and axes. But I do have the wrought iron and 1084 steel uh, Viking crossbeam, which I finished the inlay on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got sterling silver and copper on one side, which is in Elder Futhark, it's iron. And then on the other side, it's brass and copper, and that says fire. Um, and I, I really just, I really liked the sim- symbolism of the, the yellow for fire and the silver for bra for iron and uh, i don't know it really looks nice i really like it and that's already sold <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah it's it's it sold um it sold uh, earlier today actually as we're recording i am not it's, surprised in the slightest <laughs> actually it was our boy uh nathan butcher over at northern iron <laughs> he was he was he was messaging me saying you know like oh man if you ever made a wrought iron and steel hammer i would buy it off you and i was like you should see the posts I've just been making earlier this today and he's <laughs> Funny come back and he goes, that. <laughs> how much and when <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still t- I'm still taking it to the show but um yeah it's gonna it's gonna have a sold sticker on it um but I'm pretty happy with that I put the handle on that today and that's currently soaking in the oil and I also hand sanded and finished the engraved hex hawk that I got done like two years ago <laughs> but I yeah i don't know it was bad because like that that axe has been around for like three years 
because I forged it, ground it, sanded it, and all that kind of stuff, sent it to Ty, and then it took a t- Ty about a year to get around to engraving it. Mm. A- and then he sent it back to me, and it sat in my workshop for the last year and a half. Um, so, yeah, it's been around forever, but finally it has a handle, a beautiful, curly Tasmanian blackwood handle from Ryan at Otway Fiddleback. This thing, is like, I've got it sanded up to 1200 grit, and I haven't oiled it yet, and I'm so looking forward to it. It looks amazing. You better put footage up of that oil job. Oh, like. f- hell yes. This thing, like, the curl in this, like, it's the tightest curl I've seen in a while. It'd be like that, uh, that Scrimshaw tool video they did. You got to play the porn music yeah. while you're slowly <laughs> rubbing the oil. <laughs> if I had the editing chops, I would. But honestly, yeah, no, it is fantastic. I am, I am super excited. Uh, and it looks amazing with the mirrored head. Um, with the the engraving and stuff like that, oh my god, this looks so good! I, I, I was, I'm actually really happy. I was thinking I was going to be not in love with it, but mm-hmm. I am I am very much in love <laughs> with with this uh, with this piece. So um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy to have that on my table. Um, yeah, so basically that's been it. Like I've just been hammering this stuff <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've also got to finish up the engraving kits uh, and stuff like that. I want to take at least two of those. Ugh, so much work and so little time. Um, yeah, so other than that, that's basically all I've been doing. I've, tomorrow is the last day before the show. I've got to pack everything. I've got to make sure everything's set and I've got all of, all of the marketing gear and all that kind of stuff ready and yeah we've currently got a bushfire bearing down on our house and we're not sure if we're gonna have to evacuate so like i'm hoping tonight we don't get like a call that you've got to leave your home so you'll be Um, like glued to your phone the entire show uh, yeah well i mean you know if the house burns down while i'm the show there's nothing i can do about it hopefully the tools will survive i wonder Um, how many (laughs) americans are listening to this not californians obviously but other americans are listening to this going why are they so casually talking about bushfires Like this is just January and February every year. This is just what happens. Yep. Welcome to Perth, buddies. <laughs> um, yeah, yep. it was a really hot day today too. It was like forty degrees, so um, I was sweating buckets today. It was really sucked. I only fi- I only finished. Well, I didn't actually finish working because I've still got to work. Like after we finished this recording, oh, it um, was even hard to nail Sam down to do this recording. <laughs> I was messaging him, going, "Can I please have an extra hour? I need to work." And I'm like, "I'll give you thirty minutes." <laughs> no, was, the thing is, we Final record offer. these. We record these quite late at night. Like it's it's like almost eight o'clock at night for me, which means that it's almost eleven o'clock at night for Alex. So you know he's sacrificing a bit of his sleep time to get these stuff this stuff recorded. So. Everybody knows I need my beauty sleep. Uh, he does. He does. Uh, that's how he stays such a beautiful man. That's but, it. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that's how I get the girls. Um, yeah, that's why I sound so hurried and harried. I'm, I'm a little, you know, flustered at the moment. Um, yeah. Where was I? Anyway, song of the week this week uh, is a pretty simple one. It's one of my favorite uh, duos from history, um, and it's a song that like. I always love to hear, but I never seek out to listen. Like I only ever hear it when it's in a playlist or something that I didn't select myself, but I always love hearing it. Uh, right. It was that song that used to come up on the radio and I was like, yeah, I love this song. But then I'd never put it in a playlist of my own. I, it was one of those, it's one of those weird songs. And it's a song by Simon and Garfunkel, uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it's yep. it's just it's one of those songs that comes up all the time, and it's just a, it's a banger, and everyone loves it. But so often, I don't see it put in playlists, and I myself don't put it in playlists because I I don't know why. So now it's on a playlist. Well, there you go, and everybody's going to have to listen to it. Yeah, that's it. You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, um, speaking of the Forgecast playlist, um, our past guest, two timer Anthony Carroll. Uh, mm. Man with a handsome beard is um, thinking of curating a uh, another version of the playlist on Amazon Music. Oh, cool! Uh, because a lot of people are losing faith in Spotify, and a lot of people don't like using YouTube playlists. So Amazon's the next next choice. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, impossible. If it if it becomes a thing, I'll make sure it's linked on the uh, the Instagram for the Forgecast, um, just like the other two are. Cool. And Thank my leg much, warmers Anthony. playlist. <laughs> and the leg warmers playlist, that's right. <laughs> oh man, that still helps. So uh, yeah, do you, we have we have one um, listener email? Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Yeah, and it's from Ben Anderson, and he says, "Hey Sam and Alex, I was curious, what is the best natural quenching solution, like rice bran oil, etc.? What is the speed? And I'm going to sound like a stinker, the cheapest." I'm sick of tired, uh, sick and tired of quenching in Sam's favorite solution, used motor oil, and want to up my hardening skill. Loving the podcast, I'm working on my second round through, makes the day go by faster, and puts a big old grin on my mug. Your friend and fellow Smith, Ben Anderson. It's an easy, easy, easy answer to that question. The best natural quenching oil that you can get is Horton's K or uh, Parks Fifty. Are they not? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, the the thing is, they're petroleum like, based, but yeah, it's a it's a thing that we've we've gone on about, and you've probably heard a couple of times now because you're on your second listen through. Um, the right tool for the right job matters, and mm-hmm. different quenchants are different for a reason. There's not a not a case of being people's favorite. There's being a case of what is the most suitable for the steel that you're quenching. Now, usually, you'll find that bladesmiths will settle on a couple in their collection that they go between. And it's because usually bladesmiths end up getting a couple of favorite steels that they work with. Um, and that's why. So uh, it's a, it's a mis- misunderstanding that happens a lot that people think that you've got, there's, there's one ultimate quenchant that works with all steels. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not the way it works. I actually explain it. Uh, actually, both Sam and I have done videos explaining this. Yeah. Ideally, you want a medium speed and a high speed for for bladesmithing. Very rarely do we need a low speed oil. Mm. Um, But normally with something like Horton's G and Horton's K, which Horton's K is the high speed, Horton's G is the uh, medium speed, will pretty much do any steel that you can think of that is quenchable, like oil quenchable. Um, When it comes to natural oils, obviously, like I used rice bran oil forever. Um, because it has one of the highest smoke points of oils. And the higher the smoke point, the less smoke you create, and the less smoke you create, the less carcinogens in the air. Um, It's not going to be ideal. Um, And as far as cheapness goes, rice bran oil and peanut oil, which are the two high smoke point ones, the two very high smoke point ones, are on the more expensive end normally Mm. uh, in comparison to stuff like canola or, uh, you know, standard vegetable oil. It does depend where you are. If you are actually in Asia, peanut oil is is pretty common because it's it's the go to oil of choice for a lot of Indian cooking. True, 
very true. I mean, yeah, if if you can find it, um, rice bran oil is probably your best bet. It's got the highest smoke point of any uh, food grade oil, I believe. Um, peanut oil is very close behind, I think. And as far as what their speed is, they are a medium speed oil. Uh, they quench at around the same speed as a medium speed quench oil. And if, if you're working with uh, easier to use steels like uh, sort of 10 series steels or... Uh, 5160 sort of thing you can get that rice bran oil to around 50 to 70 degrees celsius before you quench and um, you'll get a decent result it won't be ideal for the steel by any means but you'll get a decent result a very usable and respectable result oh yeah i mean um laren thomas the uh, author of knife engineering did a whole bunch of tests using various oils um and 1084 and he found that like parks 50 got the best results repeatable always the same and very very high um rice brain oil was fairly low on the uh hardenability index but it still created some hardness so you know like and i and like alex and i have said we both used rice brain or peanut oil um for 1084 blades all the time uh and it provides a usable result which is mm. well what we're looking for really for things that aren't necessarily going to be undertaking huge amounts of strain, like, for example, if you're heat treating a machete, um, what it's going to be enduring is very different to what you are going to do on a friction folder. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's sort of... the every, There is the, the, the school of thought of that you should get the peak and maximum amount of uh, hardness out of every knife that you make. And there is a certain amount of validity to that statement. But at the same time, um, if you're batoning through firewood with a friction folder, you're, it's pretty safe to say you're misusing that knife. Yeah. I mean, the, the only advantage that having full martensite um, completion helps you with is toughness. And um, the, I mean, the, the other thing, of course, is that the higher the hardness out of the quench, the more room you have to move in the temper. Hmm. Like you know, you can you can remove a couple of points of hardness and still stay above the sixties if you want to keep it, you know, flexible but really hard. Yeah. Um you can't do that if the quench only gets you to sixty rockwell. <laughs> I I love Horton's K and um I, I use it because I, I love ten eighty four. It's my favorite steel mm-hmm. to work with. Um and Horton's K, like Sam said, is brilliant for it if you uh, if you use it correctly. But yeah, I've got rice bran oil. I even have canola oil. Um, mm-hmm. I keep the canola oil for when there's beginners in the forge because I don't want them um, misusing my Hortons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have Hortons K and I have rice bran oil. And my rice bran oil is what's in my sword quench tank because most of the swords I make are made out of like ADC RV2 or uh, 5160, in which case medium speed is is good enough. Uh, realistically, I want to change that out for Horton's G or um, or a medium speed of of any. It doesn't have to be Horton's. There are various companies out there. Like pretty much any oil company makes quenching oils. You can uh, you can actually look them up on the net. But um, yeah, I just want to replace it with a medium speed proper quenching oil because that's what they're designed for. And they're not that expensive, considering how much life you get out of a batch of oil. It's really mm. not that expensive. It's worth the investment in in the long run, definitely. Yeah. Because they're a petroleum base, they don't really go rancid or anything like that. Which yeah, that's rice right. bran oil will. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who's seen my workshop knows that if any oil was going to go rancid, it was going to go rancid in my workshop. So mm. um, 
Yeah. <laughs> the the whole attracts- tray I've been using for three years. Yeah. It also attracts rats. Food grade oil attracts rats and mice. There you go. They like to eat it. Uh, it it's why uh, closable uh, quench tanks is, is good for multiple reasons. Uh, one, it's good to extinguish fires, and B, it's, uh, it keeps the, the vermin out. Yeah, it's funny. Um, my my sword quench tank has like a film of oil over it because every time I quench, I almost always end up dripping oil down it. And uh, every now and again, I'll see little claw marks at the bottom of the quench tank where they've tried to climb up and they just can't get a grip because of all the oil. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> I've been trying to climb up the stack. It reminds me, if you ever want to laugh, um, go to my YouTube channel and look at the playlist for the Mank Tank Challenge. Um, <laughs> when we, um, I was really uh, happy to see John Switzer do a reply to it. He did a really good one, but he talks about a time where he came out and found a dead bloated squirrel or a rat or something mm-hmm. floating in his quench tank. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's got the littered one. <laughs> I think one of the guys actually did pull a mouse out of one of theirs in that tank, in the Mech Tank. surprise me. Challenge. I can't uh, remember who it was. but uh. One of them had the Kraken in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they were good times. Time. Yeah. Need, need to revisit that at some point. But, um, yeah, so who's, who's been inspiring you this week, Sam? That is ever the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but... No, this this week my inspiration is um, someone that I've admired for a very long time, and their work has always been absolutely stunning. But recently, they've just been putting out more good stuff. Like the thing is, I've used this person as an inspiration before, and they, were, I would use this person as an inspiration every week of my life until I die, <laughs> because they're just so good. And I hate them, but I also love them. Um, and it, it doesn't take a, a great guesser to, to understand that it's Lin Ray. Yeah. Uh, it just, the man is a machine. I don't understand how he does it. Now, he's been playing around with recently with these integral double lug uh, buoy knives and like hunting knives and stuff like that that are made out of flat bar. And he's using his uh, method of upsetting that creates width out mm-hmm. of flat bar and I just every time I look at it my blacksmith brain tells me that I know how it's done but I still look at it and I have no fucking idea how he does it <laughs> I'm fairly certain the man's a wizard uh, I, like you you see like oh this just came off the anvil it's just finished forging I'm like there's no way that hasn't been ground stop <laughs> it please stop it you're making me doubt everything about my skill <laughs> I swear like Every time I get a forging that's really clean and I'm really proud of myself and I'm like, wow, that's that looks great, Sam. You did a great job. And then I go on Instagram and I check out Lynn Ray's fucking feed and I go, I can't forge worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and what what um like what strikes me about him is that if if I if if anybody could forge that well you would not expect them to spend invest so much of their time teaching other people how to do it. Yeah. And like you go on YouTube and you can see just class after class after class that he's been happy for them to film in detail. Uh, he's been to all the way to South Africa to teach at uh, Niels Vandenberg. I, I think yep. that was done in South Africa. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. He, he also did a workshop with Stuart and Anthony Smith, I think, as well yep. while he was there. And like just openly teaching these people how to 
forge like he does. He and has, yet, and yet, there's still there's only one Lin Ray. Yeah, and the thing is, like, yeah, he, you ask him how it's done, he'll tell you. He'll show mm. you. You know, he he gets questions on his Instagram posts, and he'll post like five photos afterwards showing his exact process. He doesn't hide anything, and I, I think that comes from the security of knowing that he is just the only Lin Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Has always been, will always be. Like, his transitions and everything, just so clean. Like, I don't understand. Lynn, tell us your secrets. <laughs> I can't do it. I, like, it, it it maddens me because I look at it and I, I, know, I know fundamentally how it's done because he shares how it's done. And mm. yet I still can't fathom how it's done. Like, how it's actually done. Because, and you watch him do it without a guillotine tool without, you know, like any specific really high quality tooling besides like a maybe a round bar. <laughs> yeah. Besides a leg vice and a bit of round bar. And he just knocks out these amazing pieces that look like they were machined. It's and one then of those just things that you will watch the entire process. And it's like a, like to make one of his x-ray knives, for example, the whole process is like an hour and a half. And you'll mm-hmm. watch every step and you're like, all right, here's another technique. He's doing a thing. Okay, I, I can. I already know how to do that. And then you watch another thing. Yeah, I already know how to do that. And you're trying to wait for the moment uh, that he does something special. But you, then you get to the end of it and you realize it was all special. Like yeah. every, he's doing all these things that, yeah, everyone can do, but not everyone can do it like Ray. <laughs> I've, Lynn, I've I've watched Stuart Anthony Smith's um, video of Lin Ray doing that X-ray Bowie knife, uh, the X-ray knife for the ABS Webmaster uh, YouTube channel. Mm. I've watched that like six times, and yeah. I still don't understand. <laughs> I've watched it over and over again, and I'm still just like, it's so clean. Why? Why? But anyway, yeah, yeah. so that is who my inspiration of the week is, and you know, like I said, always, always, and forever. Lynn yeah. will be one of my inspirations, but recently, just that, the, and also, last thing, is that he's not only just really good at what he does, he's always chasing new. Yeah. Right? Like, he always tries new stuff. Like, he did the X-Ray knife first, which had the pinned tang, which, you know, it was just another model of the squirrel tail blacksmith's knife, but he made it his own. And then he did the X-Ray Bowie knife, which had, you know, like, two guards, which no one had ever done before. And then he did an X-ray Bowie knife that had um, like the handle piece and the blade was separate, but it was all steel and it had like you know various rivets and stuff like that. And now he's doing this stuff with these upset guards. He's always doing new stuff, and it's always good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always pretty. It's always clean. I hate it. I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> anyway, who's been inspiring you, Alex? Well, long-time followers of me will know that um, I got my metalworking start in jewellery, making jewellery. Mm-hmm. And um, making jewellery has remained a passion of mine despite the fact that I've moved heavily into knife work. I still like making jewellery. I still endeavour to make jewellery when I can. I still have um, a, a good half dozen perpetual jewellery projects um, sort of in various stages of completion on my my desk and one thing that i always like to do is to try and bring something a little different i mean when you really look at jewelry it all starts looking the same after a while like there's not much innovation when it comes to it 
Um, and it's, it's always the exception, not the rule that new designs are come up with. And so I try and break the mold and I actually, um, am increasing, I'm tooling up to, um, do more jewelry work, um, just for, to accommodate for health things so that I can, I can work sitting down. I can work inside. I can, I can be out of extreme heat or extreme cold and, and sit and do jewelry and so i'm getting things like um some proper smelting gear to be able to recycle materials i'm getting a, a rolling mill to be able to process our ingots down into usable pieces and in more engraving gear and stuff like that and it's um more is going to happen and um i follow a lot of jewelers on instagram but i usually only follow people who are breaking the mold um and there's one guy called kyle halstrom uh, who the name may not jump out at people, but his Instagram is uh, glitch underscore flow. And okay. he does jewelry like nobody else does jewelry that I've ever seen. He uses a lot of um, shaped wire to create the the frames upon which a stone or an interesting centerpiece will sit. Um, but he'll create volume and shape and flow using this manipulated wire in ways that just create these amazing organic natural structures that uh, to make brooches or, or earrings or pendants or anything you want in just incredible lively detail. These pieces almost look like clockwork mechanisms. Uh, they're so intricate. Um, but his his work has such an, a a unique style compared to anything else that you're likely to see, and it's all exquisite. But the thing is, when you think of um, the words jewelry and exquisite together, you think gold and diamonds and jewels and things like that. But he works with simpler materials and yet makes things that look more magnificent than even some of the finest pieces that you see in high end jewelers. Um, being able to capture the liveliness of flame, for example, using twisted and bent copper wire is an incredible gift, and he has absolutely mastered it. And every single piece he makes is is totally different from the last and yet may, manages to hold the same look. You can tell it's one of his pieces because he's established this this style. Um, and I highly recommend anybody that wants to see something that is very different to anything they've seen before to actually go and check out his Instagram. So it's just glitch underscore flow. Um, yeah, it's Carl, really good. Yeah, Carl Halstrom. Uh, it, his, his pieces are massively inspirational. I always look forward to um, seeing new posts from him on there. He hasn't... Um, posted anywhere near enough as far as I'm concerned because I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to see a lot more from him. Um, and very much, if you do take the time to look him up, um, don't just go through the previews. Actually open up the pictures and zoom in a little bit because the amount of detail that is hidden in, work, in his work that you don't notice until you actually look close uh, is just phenomenal. And um, it's a, it's a constant source of inspiration to me. And every time I see a post from him, it gives me pangs to want to just throw away knives and go back to jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, that's, that's definitely, 
definitely my inspiration of the week. He's actually been on my list to bring up as an inspiration of the week for many months now. So I'm glad to finally to come clean. <laughs> you know, his work is is super clean. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, with the uh, emails and inspirations out of the week, I suppose that brings us into a technique of the week. Technique of the week. 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 Technique of the week is brought to you thanks to Nordic Edge. So when you're gearing up for an epic knife build or leatherworking project or wood carving project, be sure to visit nordicedge.com.au. And remember, they do ship internationally. So our technique of the week this week is one that you see a lot, but a lot of people are still mystified by. It's electro etching, mm. commonly used to put uh, maker's marks in knives, but it is so much more versatile than that. Um, it's a very, very simple process. A lot of people sort of, I mean, there's videos and things online of, of showing people how to um, build electro etching kits and that. And Frankly, um, as somebody with electrical engineering background, a lot of those videos um, make it seem a lot more complicated than it is. You can <laughs> successfully electro etch with a car battery. Uh, you can I... you can electro etch <laughs> with a wall wart, one of those like power packs. I um I've only done like a very small amount of electro etching, and I did so back in the day, um, like in the early days, back when I was Rebel Raptor Creations and not Sam Towns Bladesmith. Hmm. Um and all of the electro etching I did was with a nine volt battery, a little, yeah, the little two nine, tiny little nine volt battery, and a. Q-tip. It'll do it. It'll it'll be slow, but it'll do it. It it was surprisingly quick. Like I, I was actually surprised. I mean, obviously, I was only etching a little tiny maker's mark and using like, um, uh, nail polish and a freaking toothpick to mark out my maker's mark and then yep. just etch through that. But yeah, like it worked fantastically well. Well, that's it. I mean, the whole process is basically you um, connect the positive line to your work and you connect your negative line to like a little sponge or something that you can soak up uh, an electrolyte solution. You can just use salty water. I actually use uh, Gatorade, mm-hmm. <laughs> the electrolytes, and it works really well. Um, <laughs> and you use so little of it that a, a large bottle of Gatorade will do thousands of projects. Um and so you have a, as Sam said, a resist down on there, and the resist blocks the etching process. So wherever there is not resist, it will etch the steel. And first it will turn very dark, uh, but then it will start eating away at the steel. Um, and really, theoretically, there's no limit to the depth that you can etch. Um, in mm. fact, industrial etching processes how a lot of like um, like hot punch stamps and things are made um when in in the especially in the older days before cnc um sort of milling processes and that um but it will work very very well and some people will won't even use um what a electrolyte solution as the etchant what they'll do is they will actually run their um electro etching process completely submerged in something like nitric acid Mm. which I, d- I don't necessarily recommend doing yourself, um, but <laughs> it will work and it will work very, very well. Um, but m- nowadays there are actually companies that will uh, take something like a maker's mark or, or the thing that you want to etch and they will very precisely cut it out of vinyl 
um, yeah. and have have a transfer layer on there, so you can you can um, lay that down, stick it to your work, and then electro etch uh, the gaps in the vinyl. And, and it's it's in a wonderful way to do it. Um, my wife actually creates my um, templates for me by cutting it out on a device that she's got called a Cricut. Cricut, yeah, yeah, um, and it does a wonderful job. Does a really really nice job, right down to very small details, and. Um, these things are sort of an inexpensive addition to your shop if you're going to be doing it a lot, but um, they're a wonderful way to add detail to work because you can also electro etch um, other materials than just steel. It's just going to change your uh, voltages and change your um, etchant solution uh, depending yeah. on what you're etching. But if it's a metal, you can usually etch it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, quite famously, like Carl Royer etches all of his maker's marks. Mm. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> things like, uh, fake Damascus swords are quite often electrically uh, yeah. etched as well. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> you can use, that's, that's why the, the main test for, um, fake Damascus is to actually sand back the surface. So it's all gone and then dip it in ferric chloride and see if the pattern comes back. Yep. So um, usually it don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> quite usually, yes. If you've ever been wondering, hey, why is that Damascus knife that that knife maker is selling so expensive when I can get one on Amazon for thirty dollars? That's why. <laughs> um, there's a there's a knife company Baccarat that does right. like the cheap like chef cutlery stuff. They have a a, a Damascus series. It's it's the stainless Damascus series, but if you look closely on the etching, like it actually says electro patent, and so it's, <laughs> it's all electrically etched stainless steel to make it look like it's layered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, outside of faking Damascus, uh, being able to do electro etching at home, even with a dodgy setup with a nine volt battery, is a very powerful thing. Um, it's not just for uh, maker's marks like everybody thinks. It's it's You can do all sorts of wonderful things with it. I'm actually planning on doing a very ambitious experiment with it on the rapier that I'm working on in the background, mm. uh, which I haven't talked about for a while, but is still in the works. Um, so, yeah, making the resist um, templates is usually where most of the difficulty comes. But as Sam said, you can just paint the thing down with something like nail polish or whiteout uh, liquid paper and then scratch the the thing you want to reveal away it's a dodgy way of doing it but it does work yeah um, I, I will say that i never got a clean result out of it no no but sometimes you you're looking for a specific uh specifically sort of organic looking result and that can work pretty well um yeah. but it's it's really just applying um a, a voltage so the the positive gets attached to the work the negative gets attached to the sponge and you just use your your um, electrolyte solution to to do the etch. It's as simple as that. I um, would recommend you'll get the best results between 12 and 15 volts. Um, And to be honest, it doesn't really pull much current. Unless you're doing super deep etches, like really, really deep etches, you're probably not going to go more than, you know, 100 milliamps at Mm. maximum. Uh, Most of my electro etching I do deep enough that you can actually feel it with your fingernail. Um, and I do that with 20 milliamps and it only right. takes me about 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the like setup that I built, you can, pro- you can buy, um, professional marking machines and stuff like that, that have 
both DC and AC and all that kind of stuff, and you can do marking mm. and, and etching. Eh. Yeah, I, a DC power source is all you need. That's it. Um, just give it a try. Obviously, be safe. Playing with electricity is no joke. Um, yeah. But they are easier to build than you'd think. It's not something that you necessarily need to save up hundreds of dollars to invest in. And they're, they're special uh, bottles of, of uh, ancient solution that uh, proprietary blend and everything. You will get just as good a result with just a bottle of Gatorade. Yeah, I mean, I, I just used to use salt water. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to use salt water until actually a listener of the show and a patron of both of ours, uh, Brandon uh, Snip, Snipe, we, we yep. still haven't worked. He still hasn't. I think he just enjoys us not knowing how to pronounce his <laughs> last name at this point. Um, surprise me. He actually put me on to trying uh, Gatorade and um, I tried it. I honestly could not tell the difference. Yeah. Um, between professional etchant solution and and Gatorade, it looks exactly the same result. I, I cannot tell the difference. There you go. I'm gonna have to try that. And then when you do it, your whole workshop smells like blue. <laughs> if you use blue Gatorade, that is. Yeah, that's right. But with technique of the week out of the way, we can get onto the thing that I know all the listeners are waiting for. Two months in the making, you guys have been uh, making your whittling sets mm. and posting them to mostly the wrong hashtag, but you know we'll we'll, we'll let yeah. that slide. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I understand we, we we're a little bit of a confusing um, confusing show sometimes, but there have been some really interesting. Um, sets out there that people have made and we've been having fun watching you do them i know a lot of you got very excited that we pushed out the the time because somebody i'm not going to point any fingers here but somebody <laughs> put a, a buoy competition right smack bang in the middle of our forge whoever would have done that sounds like yeah, an awesome. i know i know um and some i heard some really cool guy won it like yeah 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 really strange must have been but, really cool uh, if you won it must have been cool yeah but um we gave you the extra month and you guys delivered and have come up with some really cool things and also um i know the the competition we said we um just need to see them work but some of you guys actually carved some really cool stuff to be honest yeah. um i don't know whether or not you were previously wood carvers or whether or not making a set and trying it out inspired you to pick up the craft and try it but i'll tell you what i'd love to hear if that is the case if anybody was actually has, has found a new love for wood carving because of that competition because mm-hmm. uh whittling is a is a pastime of mine from childhood that i've always loved in fact you guys can't see it because an audio only show but on my belt at all times i carry my my pocket carving jack um mm-hmm. i can so confirm and i have mine sitting on my shelf next to me <laughs> yeah, I, I don't go anywhere without it because you're never bored if you've got whittling tools with you. Um, no, unless you I, live in I, the city. <laughs> I mean, I carry a knife with me everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's a whittling jack or not. I whittle all the yeah. time. He's he he's he goes well healed. <laughs> you never know when there's going to be trouble. I'm always strapped. <laughs> That's right. It's like, oh darn, they didn't give me a fork with my lunch. It's like, well, just go and ask one. No, no, no. Get me a stick. <laughs> Give me some green wood. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been going through them, and we've, uh, after much deliberation, come up with three winners. And I know you guys are 
fanging to hear the results. So we'll start at the bottom and work our way to the top. Uh, third place, and this is going to win one completely stabilized, uh, expertly stabilized block of uh, exotic, wonderful wood from Otway Fiddleback uh, delivered to you. So get in touch with him after you've listened to the show. He's actually Small Change Rain on Instagram. He um, made a, a set that I would be actually be really quite proud to use myself because the entire thing is made entirely of recycled materials. The steel that he used was forged out of old coil springs, uh, and the handles are actually, um, its it, when you see them far away, they're quite rugged because they look like they're made of manky old plywood. Uh, and then you look closely and you realize they are made of manky old plywood, but he has gone and polished them up and sealed them and coated them and um, turned them into functional handles to preserve the texture of the old plywood. Um, and it just, it gives them character. I really like yeah. it. No, they look pretty um, cool. And they seem to be very functional. So um, third place goes to Small Change Rain. Also well have to done. mention he carved an amazing spoon. It was a really nice spoon. It, Even did actually, some little chip carving and stuff. I, I love it. It was his uh, spoon that actually made me throw out there. I wonder if anybody actually got into wood carving because of this. Um, mm. But his spoon kind of insinuates he's been doing it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because like, if we were basing it off the spoons, he would have won. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, mate, if you did just pick up whittling because of this and then you carved a spoon like that, you've got a knack and you may need to actually pursue this <laughs> as a career. Yeah. Carve more spoons. Do yeah, because that's really awesome. Do it. Um, all right, second place. Um, it's somebody that has been edged out in the past and I'm really feeling good to, to sort of bring it full circle and actually get him a prize that he so rightly deserves. Uh, and that is Jamie sausage man, number Mm -hmm. two. And he just made a straight up killer set, man. That Damascus was beautiful. It was clean. Um, I like that he made an ax because like, that was what I wanted to do with my carving set. Mm -hmm. If you're going to carve, you're going to need an ax. It's old school. It's like Animal Trades is always going on about, you know, doing it proper with an axe. And I mean, that's how you can sort of go out into the bush and get the wood and get it, you know, hogged down to the, the basic shape you want with an axe before carving it. And it's just, yeah, he just if, did it. If really you're carving well. spoons, you, you need an axe. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you can't get by without one. I mean, you can, but yeah, but having um, an axe makes it easier. Yeah, it was it was a lovely set, and he really he really earned that spot uh, in number two. And as uh, the number two place wins two blocks of stabilized timber from Ryan and Otway Fiddleback, congrats, so, uh, man! Yeah, reach out to Ryan and he'll he'll sort you out. But the number one spot, um, it has to go to Steve, Alien Monkey Blacksmith, mm-hmm. and it's simply because he had the balls to be extra enough to make what is quite possibly the only set of Kumai whittling tools in history. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Just absolutely bonkers to, to make it out of Kumai steel. I I also have to give him mad props for, um, for actually having an inside belly on the spoon knife, the spoon yeah. uh, on the spoon gadget. Like the, the thing is, it's really hard to make uh, a proper spoon knife because you almost always end up with a flat 
inside, mm-hmm. right? Which it means that you have to sharpen the entire, you have to polish the entirety of that flat uh, in order to get a decent edge. Whereas if you have a convex or concave inside there, it makes it sharpening a hell of a lot easier. Uh, and it also makes the cut a lot cleaner because you have a lot less material to push through. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you managed to pull that off quite cleanly, I, I you know, really like And it's it. that cleanliness that really makes the QMI pop because when you're talking about things like spoon gouges and bowl gouges, they are weird shapes. And mm. getting a good finish on those, uh, like most of the time when you see handmade uh, whittling tools, they leave it kind of brute to forge and then just have a nice shiny mirror edge. Um, where the actual business end is. But the the work he did to actually get that whole thing cleaned up and polished and, and sanded nicely so that that QMI is revealed properly and to have matching ferrules on all of them as well, uh, just it just, and the copper ferrules as well made mm-hmm. the whole thing bloody pop. It was just, it was nice. And frankly, I will always reward people being that extra. <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd like to see him pursue this and like make another set like obviously there's improvements to be made because this is the first set that he's ever made um but i'd really like to see him do it again in kumai and just like take notes from the first set and make the next set even better because i reckon he could make a really killer set um it kind of makes me want to just see things that are not in any way traditionally kumai being made out of kumai <laughs> It's just like a dining yeah. set. You are the QI man. Yeah, imagine just like knife, fork, and spoon unnecessarily made of QMI. Don't tempt me. <laughs> we got to try QMI first. Well, this is true. <laughs> but uh, Steve, well done for that first place spot that you win three stabilized blocks of beautiful timber from Otway Fiddleback. Reach out to Ryan at Otway underscore Fiddleback guys on Instagram, and he will hook you up. Um, you guys uh, really earn those spots. Mm. Next competition is TBD. <laughs> well, Ryan and I have actually been talking about what um, would be a good, a cool idea for the next Forgecast competition. But I said we'll give him a break with just a Forgecast challenge for the month of February 1st. Yeah. Um, but... There's a bit of prep work you're going to have to do for the next Forge Cars competition. So we're not going to give away the game, but a week before March starts, we're going to give you an instruction that you're going to have to do if you want to in on this. So this is going to be a good one. This is going mm. to be a very, very good one. It was Ryan's idea. Uh, he flo- floated it to me and we sort of back and forth about it. And I, I like where it's going. So uh, you get you get the month of February to... Just relax and try a little bit of a challenge. And our challenge is uh, similar similar vein to one of our earlier challenges, but a little bit uh, of a twist. And I know Sam's going to like this one, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sam doesn't join in and give it a go. So we have asked you in the past to make a pair of scissors, and people, people got in on board on that and gave it a try. But... I want to see you guys make a set of single piece clippers, the sort of things that you would snip off an extra, a a snaggy bit of string with or something like that. It's kind of the miniature version of, of shearing shears, Um, but all one piece. I have tried 
mm. three times to make a set mm-hmm. of those and failed every time. Because they're trickier than you think. You sort of look at it and you think, well, that's probably the simplest form of scissors, so it wouldn't be that difficult. But there are some hidden difficulties that are going to catch you. It's going to, uh, rather than go through them myself, I mean, you can make, you don't need much steel to make a set of these at all. No. So you won't be blasting through heaps of your, your stash of steel to, to play around with this concept. Um, but yeah, you will, if you discover the weird uh, complexities that you were not expecting, do write in and tell us about them because uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd love to hear about your strain and struggles with this. Yeah, I, I personally but, freaking hate these things and I'm going to try again. Yeah. But oh my God, it annoys the crap out of me that I can't make these things work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be giving it a go and um, I told my wife Nissa about it she's going to be giving it a go as well uh, so cool. Steve we're expecting a Kumai set <laughs> <laughs> it might have to be a Kunimai <laughs> yeah probably will have to but um, this is just a Forgecast challenge not a competition this time this is just a practice exercise to get you thinking because this seemingly simple object that you see in so many workshops and craft kits and, and sewing kits around the world um, is a deceptively complex beast. Really is. like Not as complex as a, a full-on set of scissors and getting that right, but ooh, they're I don't a lot know more about complex that. than they look. I really don't yeah. know about that. I've made a lot of sets of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to successfully make a pair of snips, so... Yeah, we will. Um, if you don't uh, are unfamiliar with what we are talking about, the object in question that we are talking about, I will post a uh, picture of some on the Forgecast Instagram after this episode goes live, so um, you'll be able to see it there. Because I understand if people have not been exposed to these before, uh, not everybody has people in their life who sew. Um, or or are handy with a needle and thread, and it's usually the most common place you'll see them. So um, I'll, I'll post a photo, and uh, you'll go, <laughs> is that all they want us to make? That's easy. And then a few <laughs> hours later be cursing our names. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, big congratulations to the winners of this competition. The next one's going to be a doozy, so hold on to your butts. Not even I know what's going on. So no, I just realized that actually Sam and I have not discussed it because Ryan and I were only talking about it earlier today. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, oh, I wonder what it is. <laughs> I, I was um, happily just thinking, hey, we'll just do a Forgecast challenge and I've got a month to come up with something. And then Ryan messaged me. He's like, hey, you know, it'd be cool. And I'm like, oh, my God, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is the curse. This is the curse. Yeah, so it's, it's wow. also a great thing because like Ryan is really into like supporting the community. He loves to see all of the entries that we get, mm-hmm. um, you know. And he's it's so great to be working with someone who's willing to just chuck amazing blocks of wood out there for us to uh, incentivize people to try new things. Yeah, and all you guys, you throw yourselves at these competitions so great, and it's really awesome to see the passion that you put into them and trying new things, which is really the point of this. This is why we started the just the challenges in the first place, just get you th- 
trying things that you may not have tried. I mean, sometimes you you don't even realize you're sitting in a rut and you haven't really tried anything new for a while, but it's trying new things that makes you challenge yourself and learn new stuff and, and find out things about yourself that you're capable of doing. Like that pipe hawk challenge, you guys pulled some absolute freaking awesome pieces out during mm. that competition. It was amazing to watch, and it was amazing to watch how much fun you guys were having with it. And a bit of heartache, but that comes with creativity. Um, so our next competition is aimed at bringing that vibe to a, a good crescendo. Yeah. So, however, it is getting very late on my end, and Sam, I can I can hear two thirds of his CPU is is put towards thinking about what he's going to do next, prepping for the <laughs> knife show. So I've, yeah, I've, I've got a whole bunch that, of like work on handles to do today. Anybody in the audience that has done a knife show before is nodding sagely and going, mm-hmm, yep, been there. Yeah, especially if they're <laughs> the kind of person that like studies for the exam the night before the exam. Yeah, that's I, right. I am. I am that person. I hate it. I, I never studied. I just sort of <laughs> See, I would do that, except that means I would have an empty table. <laughs> I, was, I was a terrible student. Mm. <laughs> I was really Same. bad. Same. <laughs> But, um, yeah, everybody wish Sam a lot of luck. Um, hopefully, he'll be doing some live streams. You got some planned? Yeah, so I'll be streaming from the show on the Sunday, which is normally the quieter day, um, at around midday my time. So, um, yeah, whenever that yeah, is cool. for everyone else. And I'll do a swing around of the, the show. It should be really good. We've got a lot of local makers this year because we the borders are still closed. So uh, yep. it'll be all West Australian uh, makers, which is great. Um and yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes because this is like a, a different scenario this time because this is the first uh, this is the first show since COVID hit. So um, yeah, cool. We even It'll beat be Sydney in our show. Good sure to get out there again. It. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, no. Look forward to a couple more photos and stuff like that from me on Instagram and stuff as I finish up everything ready for the show. I normally do like a video for my YouTube channel where I show off everything I've made. Yeah, uh, it's going to be pretty boring this time because it's just hammers and axes. But you know, I think we're all hanging out to see that that engraved hex hawk. I that is the one crowning glory that that is going to be. I, I'm really proud of that one. Like that's that that is going to be the, the my favorite piece on the table. Yeah, I just cannot wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, spam his live feeds when they when they happen. Give him all of your love and support. <laughs> And um, we'll, we'll uh, see you all next week. Uh, if you're looking for sending in questions or checking us out on social media, look up The Forgecast on Facebook and Instagram or email us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you're looking for Sam, where can they find you? You can find me on every platform at Samtown's Bladesmith. Uh, Even TikTok. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. You're not? Tell no one. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any videos on tiktok but i am on tiktok yeah fair enough i i, I am cursed <laughs> i may post it, something on tiktok that's two t platforms now i know i'm i'm breaking all my rules i know next year we I, have a twitter account i blame norse forged and uh, max randolph studios <laughs> they, they dragged me in damn it yeah. oh man i'd follow max randolph anywhere 
Oh, that dude. You just flash that winning smile at you and show that enthusiasm, and it's like, yeah, cool, let's go into hell. Yeah, let's do it. glorious mane of hair. Uh One day we'll have to get him on the show. Yes, we will. He would just like anyway. beam through everybody's earbuds. Oh, he's, he's, he's irrepressible, isn't he? Lick their ear lollipops. Based their ear turkeys. Where, where can they find you basting their ear turkeys? I go by Valhalla Ironworks and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Redbubble. My Etsy's on holiday mode at the moment. Um, that's about it. There you go. Um, yeah, and the Forge Pass. Yeah, that too. Uh, all right, everybody, send Sam good vibes for the show, and we'll see you all next week. See you guys.